Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. Today on the Endgame Podcast is the immortal Matt Brown. He is a UFC legend with a ton of accolades we're going to go into with uh, bonuses he's won and records he's broken. And the guy is just known as one of the grittiest, toughest guys on the UFC roster. So it was very awesome for me to touch base with him. I didn't even know he was a real estate guy initially. We wound up connecting and uh, just hit it off. And I've been in touch with him since. Uh, I just spoke to him actually a couple of days ago about a project he's working on. So uh, I was thrilled to talk to him. I love talking to guys like that, people you've looked up to, watch fight for years, uh, you know, and then they they want to connect and talk business. And you have something to offer and you make a good connection, you make a good friend out of it, and you have some good good business talks and some good fireside chats and they make a great podcast. So that was a really, uh, really just a cool thing for me to be able to uh, link up with Matt Brown and, uh, and have a good conversation with him and have him be nice enough to come on the podcast and tell a little bit about his story, which is an incredible one. You'll hear he overcame addiction and was really going down a different path in life and uh, found MMA, found jujitsu, found it the wrong way at first. It's a little bit of a different story, and which is kind of cool and kind of interesting to watch to where he came out today. And I kind of like the theme of it. It's just uh, the guy's no nonsense. He's He takes no shit. He, he is who he is. And uh you know, just that whole difference that we talk about of you got to be obsessed, like the difference to be a top level athlete, a top level fighter, what you have to do mentally, physically, the things you're willing to do, you just have to be obsessed. And he talks about a lot of the differences that are between what people want in life and why people get what they really want in life. And, and do they even really want those things? It's just a, a lot of different twists and turns in here that I thought was a cool thing to think about and some stuff to contemplate and some stuff to self-reflect on myself as well. So that is a dude who definitely brings his A-game to everything and uh, puts it all in line and goes after it. And I am sure just like he has been setting records and kicking butt and taking names in MMA, he's going to be doing the same exact thing in his business, whether it's the martial arts school he runs in Columbus, Ohio, that you guys can check in the show notes, or it's his moral coffee brand, his UFC fighting, or his ventures with real estate, which we'll talk about his Airbnbs, his long-term rentals. And, uh, you know, the guy's running multiple businesses, literally kicking ass and still has a full-time family, all that kind of stuff, man. So dude's an inspiration. Thank you, Matt, for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed our conversations before, during, and after this podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. I just think he's an amazing guy, and uh, I thought he had an amazing, amazing story, and I really enjoyed this podcast that uh, went about an hour and a half, and I loved every minute of it, so I hope you guys will too. So on top of that, I also want to say congratulations to Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling, who's getting back from Dubai after defending his title against TJ Dillashaw, and uh, especially happy for, man, Ray Longo, just one of the best guys there is, man. He's just, uh, could, couldn't be more grateful to call that guy a friend and be able to have conversations with him and uh, just reach out to him and just send him a congratulations, man. Cause for years, this guy goes and him and Matt Serra and now in the corner, uh, Mr. Raging Ally Kinta. And I know they got Dennis Bazooka out there and, and Marab and these guys, man, they just build something great and they really support each other. And the amount of stuff you guys don't see that they do to get where they are and the amount of fights that Longo trains guys for and then goes in corners room that he's going five and oh six and oh with these guys like Justin Montavo and and now Nas and all these guys that are making it up to the UFC they just uh you know it's it's not an accident when you have that many amazing fighters and you have that kind of culture that is a hundred percent because of 
Matt Sarah and Ray Longo from the top down. So very excited for him. Very excited for them. Very happy for Aljo. Uh, so awesome stuff there. So I just wanted to say that. Happy birthday to my mom. And happy Halloween to everybody listening today. So last but certainly not least, it's all about real estate. So if you'd like to get involved in real estate, whether you're new, beginner, or advanced, if you want to buy some properties from me, if you want to sell some properties to me, or if you would like to figure out a way to partner up on some deals, the best way to get me is just to text the word real estate to 516-540-5733. That is the most direct way to get me about any real estate deals. We can talk about how we can fit in, how we can work together. I don't care if it's your first deal, your next deal. There's a way we can do it. Any other ways to connect with me would be on nicknicknick.com slash links for all the ways to get this podcast everywhere you listen to and watch your podcast, as well as link up with me on Instagram and all social media. I cannot ask you enough to please subscribe to the podcast and to please follow us on social media, especially Instagram, and just like or comment or share when I post the clips from this episode so Matt Brown and the guys that come on and show their stories for free and, and just help support this podcast and give you guys a ton of free content, education, and information, and entertainment, know that you appreciate it as well and that you're watching and listening. So just a share, a fist bump, a thumbs up, a tag somebody in there really goes a long way. So I very much appreciate that. So text me about doing real estate together, following interacting on the podcast with the podcast guests. And last but certainly not least, if, you, if you're interested in getting exactly more value to your buyers or your sellers, Go to nicknick.com slash biggerpockets. And on that site, you will find a way to get a free checklist to bring more values. If they broker, wholesaler, or realtor, that could be a great access and a great resource for you guys. So I appreciate it. Under nicknick.com slash links, you can look under affiliates and see all our sponsors. Naked War Recovery CBD with William Branham. Definitely check that out. Some of the best products out there run by a Navy SEAL. If you want to have some VAs, we have Reva Global on there that you can start to have a conversation with them about VAs. And of course, we have Marianne with Nationwide Business Capital Group for funding for your properties. And if you would like to get into podcasting, you got Zachary Babcock and the podcast Powertrain, all supporting the A-Game podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Matt Brown. Thank you for everybody for listening. Go get them, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. All right, my guest today on the E-Game Podcast, fighting out of Ohio, has overcome various personal and professional struggles, including overdoses, homelessness, jail time, to become one of the most successful MMA fighters of all time, a business owner, an entrepreneur, and of course, a UFC MMA legend. He's going down as one of the most exciting and fearless fighters in UFC history. He's a BJJ Brown Belt, alumni of The Ultimate Fighter Season 7, winner of four Fight of the Night bonuses, three Performance of the Night bonuses, holds the records for most fights in welterweight history, most finishes won the 2017 Best Knockout of the Year and has such impressive names on his resume as Matt Arroyo, Douglas Lima, Mike Swig, Diego Sanchez, and of course, Stephen Winterboy Thompson. He's also a businessman. He owns his own gym, Immortal Martial Arts, and is the co-founder and co-owner of Immortal Coffee. He has the Immortal Clinch Instructional. Check it out on BJJ Fanatics. Featured on the world-famous Joe Rogan podcast, avid reader, musician, and father, welcome to the A-Game podcast, the Immortal Matt Brown. Dude, that was one of the best intros I've ever had. <laughs> that was spot on. The only thing you missed those most knockouts in UFC welterweight history and uh, second most in UFC history. So oh, nice, dude. I got to pump dude. myself up a little bit more there. That's so freaking impressive, man. What, what is it like to, to hear that stuff rattled off, man? That's such an amazing list of accomplishments. God, I forget that I've uh, done so much because I don't think about what I've done, man. Um, my focus is always on what I'm going to do. I don't think about what I've done. I don't give a shit what I've done. And um, it sounds cool. You know, like I said, that was an amazing intro. And it sounds cool. And, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a good ego pump. But 
there's a bug on my screen there. Um, you know, it's a great ego booster, but it don't mean shit, man. I'm all, I ain't even halfway through my life yet, bro. Like I'm that, that's all stuff to set up for the next part. I love it, man. So, you know, one of the things I always like to jump right into is like the, the mindset part of it, I think is like you were saying right before we started recording, like it's, it's kind of, we were saying some of the, the things that are the same characteristics of people that are successful in almost anything. It, it is a lot of the same qualities. That's why you find that guys that do really well in MMA that reach like a certain level of black belt or champion or whatever. Now they focus that same intensity and they put that same work ethic towards real estate or towards business or towards owning a coffee shop and like what they have inside and those habits and like that mental, that mental sharpening and that mental toughness. I feel like that that will bring you success in whatever you focus on. And you tend to be somebody who, like for all intents and purposes, brings their A-game to everything they do. And that's why you find so much success. Have you always had just that kind of tenacity and just strong mindset to just go conquer whatever it is you feel like doing? I don't know, man. You know, because I, you know, we, obviously, you know, my backstory a little bit. And um, I certainly have always had the mindset of I want to be number one at whatever I'm doing. You know, I don't, I don't like and I've always had the mindset of being able to block out all distractions and focus on singular things at a time. I'm not a good multitasker. I'm not good at, uh, even though it might sound like it from the, the intro, right? I got these businesses, I got kids, I got a bike career, but I don't multitask well. Like I, I put a lot of energy in something until it starts moving. Then I move on, put a lot of energy into something else. And, and when I have a fight, everything else just goes out the window and everything's forgotten. And that's the most beautiful part about competing and being a professional fighter is like, I can, like, I have that excuse, you know, people call me like, Oh, I can't talk, bro. You know, I got a fight coming up. People are like, Hey, you want to go to dinner? Nah, man, I can't, bro. I got a fight coming up. So it gives you that something to focus on. And it's just, that's part of the addiction, man. And part of what I love about the sport and, um, you know, keeps me on the right path, man. I love that, dude. And for like some of the things that you just said was, you know, it might sound like a multi-text for people who aren't familiar, like those lists of accomplishment came over like years and years and years. So I think that's the trick too, is everybody's like, oh, you know what? I, I want to walk into the gym day one. Well, what do you want? Well, I want to have the most knockouts in UFC. Like, and that stuff happens over like a long course. Like if you try and do all of it at once, just like business, like nothing winds up happening. But I do love that you're able to focus in on that because it's actually the opposite of what I hear from most guys. It's like they have all this trouble kind of zoning in. But I think, again, that's what kind of makes you special about what you do. I think I've developed an ability also to flip that switch, especially after I had kids because um, I had a – I don't know if you say it was a problem, but, you know, it was difficult at first when I had kids because I was in fight mode 24-7. Then I had kids and it's like – it's like, bro, you got to get out of fight mode for a minute. You know, you get, you got to take care of business at home. And uh, I, over time, I developed this ability that I can come home and I'm fully focused on my kids. Me and them, we connect and we do things together. When it's time to go to the gym, I forget about them and I do what I got to do. Um, of course, I never completely forgotten, but, you know, I focus on the task at hand. Um, like when I opened my, my gym, I took a year off and did nothing but the gym you know i built the systems built uh brought in the right people um was on the mats all the time you know i was still training that's one of the nice things about owning a gym 
yeah. but but you know I'm, I'm in there like really working on the business or you know in the business all the time right so that i could step out and just work on the business and um and, you know that's just what it takes you know i just see for the for something like the gym you know i've seen a bigger picture i've seen this something needs to be built for after my career um See, you know, kids is really the whole game changer and all that. You know, they, they brought my uh, they, they, they forced me to learn how to balance. Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't like the word balance. You know, I don't like balance at all, um, but they forced me to be able to flip that switch. So when it's time to go train, the flip switches to that. When it's time to be home, the, the switch flips to that. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, especially like fighters type of guys, you're used to having like an on season and an off season and you can kind of go like work hard and then like just kind of fuck off for a couple of months. And it was weird kind of getting away from that and now having to focus on just like one thing at once. And I remember I had a couple of conversations with guys and I was like, man, I'm looking for that balance. And they said the same thing as you. They were like, your balance is different than somebody else's balance and their business balance is different than somebody else's. So how was it kind of trying to now focus on like living a life that's really done by like, by a round or a fight camp or a tournament and then having to really kind of have that consistency all over. Was it weird to kind of figure out how to like prioritize? And like you said, flip that switch. Is it, was it, was there a learning curve there? So for me, I, I never come out of fight camp, <laughs> right? It's always fight camp. So I get to practice this all the time. So like there's already a precedent set long before I get a fight booked. Like, this is how I live my life. Like, I'm I'm going to train, and then I'm going to take care of my kids. I'm going to take care of my business. But my training is always prioritized first. You know, I tell that to any uh, female I've ever dated, which is probably why I'm divorced. <laughs> uh, I, I tell, you know, I, I tell this to all my friends. If, you know, if they're asking for it, I don't necessarily have to tell them. They kind of know. But um, it, my kids and my fight is number one, training. That's number awesome. one always like I, I don't care if you got a wedding coming up this weekend or you know i just i don't give a fuck about anything else i'm like i have to get in my work every day and then i and i have to um, be with my kids every day once those two things are done then everything else can work its way i think that goes back again to like the stuff that you sacrifice to be where you are in life i've heard you say in a few different interviews about the you kind of you've created the life that you want by all that shit that you had to go through in the past. And, and it is those things. It's, it's, you know, missing weddings, missing birthday parties, like not going out and partying sometimes because you have to train and people want the results and the lifestyle that you have. But most of them are not willing to put in the work and the sacrifice like you did. You know, they don't. I, I, that, that's where I think a lot of people are wrong. They say that they want what I have. They don't like most people don't want what I have. Like what I have is a life that is difficult like every day it doesn't matter if i wake up tired if i wake up on the wrong side even even today like we were talking before i was a little bit late on the podcast like you know i woke up my daughter had ear infection i take her to the doctor go get a prescription all this stuff and i still had to go train you know i'm i'm and i'm already tired and you know there's always something going on people don't want that they say they want it but what they want is to be on tv what they want is to is for people to suck their dick and say that I hope I, you don't mind me cussing on your podcast. Most no, no, you're good, man. The podcast, right. You know, that's what people want. 
they don't want this grind, bro. And and I'm sure you see the same thing in real estate, right? They they see, you know, these these guys making all this money, and they see it, the flippers on TV and all this, and the, that's what they want. They don't, you know, they don't know the behind the scenes that you don't see on TV. They don't know that, you know, when you're risking, you know, fifty, hundred thousand dollars on this, and and uh, you know your your contractor's late, and you know you don't. As, you know, I always tell them, like, look, you don't want this shit, bro. If you want it, then you will go get it. I'll know. What, I'll know if you want it. If you go get it, you telling me that you want it don't mean a goddamn thing to me. Yeah, man. It's like they come and they want. I, I don't know if it happens as much anymore in your gym, but dude, there was like a run there that guys are coming into Longo to say, oh, I want to be the next UFC champion. It's like, well, how about you just train for six months and try and get a blue belt? No, no, no. I just I want to skip over that part. I just want to be like, mm -hmm. hey, it doesn't work like that, man. And I remember Sarah always used to say, man, he'd be like, yeah, guys, they want to be the guy that walks into the bar and all the dudes want to take their pictures and all the chicks want to bang them. But mm -hmm. they forget that a few times a year. You got to go fight a guy in a cage on TV in front of the whole world. Like they don't actually want to do that part. You know, they just, that's they want to be a firefighter. They don't want to run into a burning building. You know what I mean? It's like, exactly, man. And that's crazy, dude. That's what, and that's what you got to do a few times a year is go, go fight a, another lion that wants to eat you. Um, and, but what you got to do every single day is that consistent discipline. And that's what these people, they don't want that shit. I get the same thing. It's still common today. You know, people, come in they say i want this i want usually what i do i got a kid in my gym now that it, it, it makes it it makes it all work out really great having this kid because he's uh about 15 years old i think he just turned 16 actually and uh he's just a little fucking stud man just a little killer so these guys that come in and they say that kind of stuff i say okay well look, um you know let's go train you know and i'll put them with him and then he'll beat the crap out of most of these guys i think there's maybe been once or twice people gave him a uh, hard time some you know real guys but you can usually tell if they're real anyway before that and then um, and I'm like okay um, you just got beat up by a 16 year old bro you sure you want to step in the cage it's insane man the, the, the young guys now too it's just it's it's like a different world they can literally just come up and train full-time like right from the age of like 14 and 15 like it's totally insane yeah 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 it's That's awesome crazy. man this next generation you know it's, it's gonna be a Oh boy, it's going to be crazy, man. Watching the, the sport. I mean, look at how much has progressed just in the, what, 30 years that it's been around. You know, I think the 23 will be 30 years, right? So 1993, right? Yeah, yeah, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the next 30 years. Yeah. Scary to think about, man. Even just, just the world in general is like always a, a nutty thing. But, you know, the one of the things you just said that I think is just the, the point that I'm always trying to get to with people when I talk to them is like, there's days that suck, dude. Like my, my loans fall apart, whatever, you know, days I, I'll, I'll go train two, three different gyms and I'll be like, man, I fucking rolled awesome today. Like I felt great. And then the next day I roll with like a blue belt and I have like a really tough time. And I'm like, man, I suck. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like mm -hmm. some days you're the hammer, some days you're the nail and the same way that happens in the gym that happens in business. And on the days that suck or the days that you're on the bottom the whole time, just getting your ass beat, how do you get the balls and, the, and build yourself up to come back the next day and just say, I'm just going to show back the next day because I don't feel like going and I'm still sore and I'm still tired. I don't want to be here, but I'm going to show up anyway. That to me is the biggest difference. So for a guy like you that's had so many ups and downs, you obviously are great at still understanding that no matter how good or bad the day is, you're still going to show up every day. 
what type of stuff do you tell yourself or how do you train yourself to get over like the shitty days and come back and fight another day? Uh, there's a couple of different things. Uh, first off, I think perspective is what's the most important. And, um, you know, I look at this as for me personally, I married this sport and I'm a faithful spouse and I'm going to be there till the day that I die. Right. So every day is a uh, up and a down and that's fine. Right. Because um, for instance, like when I go fight, I look at that as a, a picture in time for my martial art where it was that day. And I kind of see the training is the same thing. Like, okay, this is uh, what it was today. That doesn't mean that's what it's going to be tomorrow. And uh, I still have another 50, 60 years to go. So, you know, let's not, let's not sweat today. Um, second off is um, recognizing and telling myself that those are the important days. And this is kind of like what we were just talking about a minute ago, right? Anybody can come in and train hard and, and do it when they feel good, right? What separates the good from the greater? The guys that can do it when they feel like shit, right? This is, I don't know. I'm sure you've seen it in the gym all the time. The guys that come two, three times a week, usually like on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, once everybody's been grinding through the whole week and are dead tired and trying to finish the week with, you know, their last breath, everything they got. And these guys would come in on Friday, like open session or whatever, you know, uh, no technique, just uh, just uh, open sparring or whatever. And they'll come in, just fuck a bunch of people up. And you're like, like, that's cool. But, you know, you don't know that this is like my 12th, 13th session of the week. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I try to keep that in mind, too, you know. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. You're right. Like, I, I can immediately think of like a handful of guys the second you said that of like, or they show up late, like everybody like this, like, yeah. oh, you, you still train the man? It's like, they remember like, like we were, we were there one yeah, day, dude walks in and he's like, you want to spar? And it's like, dude, he just did five rounds with Weidman. Like he's out of, but the guy's not going to say no. And it's like, now you're being a dick. Like, it's just a crazy thing, man. I, I love that. Yeah. Kind of yeah. So, you know, but those are the guys that, um, again, they get that ego boost for the day and, um, maybe they can, you know, and it's different also when you're like, once you do start getting on TV and stuff, it's another thing, you know, people say they want it. It's like, okay, do you want to be that guy that every time someone comes in the gym, um, like if they come to the gym, they're, they're going to want to train with me. Like they're going to try to set an example or, or, or they're going to try to show off. Right. They're going to be like, Oh, I beat up Matt Brown. Like that's not something you really want. That's not enjoyable, you know, because then either you have to beat the shit out of them or you have to deal with maybe taking the beating, you know, sometimes guys are good that, that'll do that. Um, maybe there's like a great wrestler or something that comes in and, you know, wants to use you or whatever, you know, and you have to deal with that, which again, uh, for me, I just keep the ego out of it and I don't really give a shit. So I'm like, cool. You know, you got me today. Uh, if we were getting paid for this it'd be different. <laughs> right. And, you know, cause I would rest up and I'd be fully prepared and, you know, it's, it's, it's always different when your friends and family are sitting in the crowd too, right? And there's a million people watching and there's a, you know, few hundred grand on the line. Like, let's see how you can do it then, buddy. Yeah, dude, that's something that I think most people actually never, aside from the fact that like it's their skill and it's their job. And it's like, do you realize like this is what they do for a living? You wouldn't go anywhere else that you have no experience of and think you could do somebody's job better than them. But you think you're going to like outfight a pro fighter. And right. then like even got like, 
I think I sent you the picture. Like I just roll with Faber. I train with Iaquinto all the time. And like, they roll fun. Like we have a good time. We train, like nobody gets hurt. But I'm under no illusion that like, if this wasn't the gym and there was like uh, the difference between him making half of his pay or twice his pay and the difference between him getting cut and being able to feed it. I don't want anything to do with being underneath those guys in that situation. Cause it is not going to be the same. And it's like that just level of intensity. Like people would never get to that, that point. They're scared to spar with just guys in the gym watching, let alone like in front of the world with everything on the line. It's just, it's a different breed. Like I think you said, like they don't, they don't actually want that. They're not willing to, to do that and risk that. Exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is when we do go to the gym, we're in there so much all the time. Like we try to have fun with it. So most of the time we're in the gym, we're playing. When we're in the cage, we're not playing. So, <laughs> you know, and I, and I tell, I've done this before in, uh, in gyms before training and these guys will they'll start going real hard, like trying to beat you up or whatever. And I'll just stop and I'll take my gloves off. And I'm like, do you want to fight? Cause if you want to fight, that's cool. And we can go outside and I'm a, and I'm not wearing gloves and, we're going to do it on the concrete and we're going to fight to the fucking death is that if that's what you want, we'll do that. If you want to train, you want to have some fun and learn from each other, then we can put the gloves on and do it in here. If you want to fight though, then it's going to be a different story, buddy. <laughs> you could just tell that you mean that I'm sure they get a totally different reaction when that happens. It's, it's happened a few <laughs> times. <laughs> and I've even uh, went outside with guys before. So <laughs> See, that, that's a, a whole other thing. So when we look at the way that the, just life and gym have, have changed, I think people like you and I were saying, even in business and everything, and for, for your story, um, I'll let you go into it a little bit, but like the fact that you were actually fighting before you were training, and then I, I, I might butcher it, but I think I heard you were saying like you were, when you actually had your first scheduled fight, that's a time when you were nervous because now there was an expectation of like, this is actually what could happen. And this is what a higher guy is. And you know, I've heard Rogan say a lot, but I think people completely miss, they have no idea where they actually sit on the food chain. It is yeah. insane, dude. Like just what a, a normal guy who's like a, a trained fighter versus like you and I were just saying, like the day I got my black belt, the guys that are shaking my hand, like Matt, Sarah, Aljamain Sterling, Chris, it's like, we're all the same rank now. We're not even, watch us train together. It is not the same at all. You know what I mean? Right, like now right. that level of like black belt to second, it's it's just, it's so crazy, man. And most people that don't even train are like, oh, I, I can beat these guys. And like, no, do you have no idea what these people would do to you? Just like business, man. So I, I think the more you get yourself around people that actually do trade things like a, a business, not a hobby and do become obsessed about it and do commit to it, it just makes it a totally different level. So talk about kind of a little bit of just how your eyes got open to the difference in levels from just training as like a bar fighter to actually going in and training to like Dorian Price and all these guys. Yeah. Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. There was when I did my first few fights with, um, you know, no training at all in my head, like, you know, it, it was all these guys that we're talking about that come in the gym. That's where my head was. I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I see a fight. I, I've been in bar fights. I can fight. And went in and I was actually fairly successful at it. Right. Um, I mean, well, I was, you know, I won three, uh, yeah, three times, you know, before I ever stepped into a, a martial arts gym. The reason I got so scared in my first one was because I had stepped into a martial arts gym and I went with good guys. Uh, the guys that I, I was very fortunate that I just happened to step into a gym where these uh, three guys were professionals, Dorian, one of them. And 
these guys beat the living shit out of me, you know? And then I realized the difference between like real professionals and bar fights. And then, so now I see all the possibilities of how you can beat somebody up. You know, I didn't know what a triangle was or, you know, um, like spinning kicks and all, you know what I mean? Like I didn't even know this stuff was realistic or I didn't know that you could kick someone in the leg 10 times and they're not going to walk for a week, you know? You know, so, so I didn't even recognize these as options. And then you go to the gym with these real pros and you see how many ways someone can actually uh, destroy you. Um, so then I go into my first fight and yeah, I'm scared out of my mind. I'm like, how do I know this guy's not, you know, one of these, you know, how do I know he's, he's not like a serious professional. And um, fortunately he wasn't, he was a pretty good fighter, a good wrestler, but um, being around those good guys and, being nervous and having uh, some some actual skill involved at, uh, finally, uh, you know, up my level and I was able to win. Yeah, that, that's so crazy. So backing it up a little bit, just so people who might not be totally familiar with your backstory, talk a little bit about how you did wind up kind of getting into fighting and about how that kind of all unfolded, because it, it's definitely not the usual path that you hear. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> um, so well, I guess the, the story of that particular day, my first one. So I was actually going to watch my friend fight. He was supposed to fight Wes Sims. If you remember Wes yeah. Sims, back, I'm sure you do, right? And um, his name was Fat Joe. And I was supposed to be riding with Fat Joe. And we were going to ride uh, to watch him fight Wes Sims. Um, ended up getting there for whatever reason. Uh, Wes didn't show up. You know, he's kind of, he was kind of a wild man back then, you know, so some days he'd show up, some days he would, but we were all just partying, you know, we were all just getting, you know, doing lines of Coke and drinking a little bit and just having some fun. And, um, it, this was long before there were commissions and athletic commissions. So we get there and, um, there's really no, uh, organization. It's kind of like what you would see on TV. There's, uh, people smoking cigars, there's, um, betting on the fights and, um, the, announcer before all the fights started he was like hey you know if anyone wants to fight the champion you know and i was there looking at my friend i think i just did a line in the bathroom a minute ago and i was like dude i want to fight this motherfucker let's do it you know um and then one of my other friends that, that was there for whatever reason uh, he didn't end up fighting either but he was supposed to and uh, he had a cup so he let me borrow his cup and i needed a mouthpiece so when across the street there was a sporting goods store like right down the street i went down bought a mouthpiece there was a restaurant across the street went over there and boiled the mouthpiece in the microwave, uh, come back and I had to pay 30 bucks and, uh, signed up and now I'm fighting fighters meeting is in 10 minutes. I go in there and at the fighters meeting, this was, again, this was a, just a, such a different world. And, um, I didn't even end up fighting the guy that they were promoting for me to fight, you know? Um, so when you get in the fighters meeting that all the fighters are sitting there and they say, okay, who's doing kickboxing? And they raise their hands and they say, okay, you guys are about the same weight. So you two are fighting. They say, okay, who's doing MMA? So I raised my hand. He said, okay, well, you guys are about the same weight. So you're fighting. He said, okay. <laughs> so, and that, that was just how it worked out, you know, and I went in and I won that one. And then the next two times that I did that, it was, it was on the same shows, but I actually uh, knew that I was fighting this time. And at the time, I kind of thought that cocaine was a superpower. So I was like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna drink, but I'm a, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get fired up and do this coke. And uh, so 
I ended up winning all three times. And then the third time uh, I beat the guy really easily. So they said, Hey, you want to fight again tonight? And I said, yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, so they put me in with this other guy and it's a kickboxing match. And this guy was actually a really good kickboxer and he just beat the living shit out of me. I don't think I touched him once. I don't think, uh, you know, but he didn't knock me out. So I remember talking to him in the back and he was like, bro, he's like, I don't know how I didn't knock you out, man. You're a tough son of a bitch. Like, and then, you know, all these other guys are kind of saying like, bro, you know, giving me advice. Like, Hey man, you need to learn how to do this. He's like, okay, well maybe I should just go to a gym, you know? So then the next day, man, I drove, I drove to uh, Columbus, Ohio, met uh, Dorian and it was actually the hammer house at the time. Uh, Coleman wasn't there, but it was the hammer house so to speak and uh hung out with my guys eli Ayers, brayden workman with a name and and then i started realizing like what real pros were nice dude it is a terrible feeling when you're boxing with a guy and you're throwing stuff at him and you just can't touch him and he's just fucking lighting you up dude like it is just uh, i feel like everybody at some point in your life should experience that just to know like what it's like to feel that helpless and you're just the more mad you get, the, the more they, and then you, you turn it up and you realize that they were only going at like half speed and you're like, oh man, like, it's just, it is not fun, man, but it's humbling. You know, and I feel like that's the kind of thing where you have stuff like that happen. You go, man, this is how good you can be if you actually train versus like, this is going to be too much work. I'm going to go home and I'm going to quit. And I think that's the shit that separates people of like, I, I, this isn't actually what I want that I'm going home versus like getting inspired yeah. to be like, either I'm going to be as good as that guy or that guy's never going to kick my ass like that again. Absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the big, differences between like jujitsu and striking or, or grappling and striking is you know when you're grappling someone takes you down there on top of you like it's very obvious you're like i don't have any chance here you know you're like you know one of these really good guys like, like some of the guys you're training with stuff and they're on top of you like you know like you're screwed right like <laughs> like there, there's no chance i can't move i can't breathe they could do basically whatever they want with striking you always feel like you have a chance right Be <laughs> Cause you're not held down. Like you can still completely move and you're like, oh, I just got to throw that one bigger punch. And a lot of times, you know, you'll kind of touch guys or, you know, maybe get close and you're like, Oh, maybe just a little closer. Maybe I just, I need to explode a little harder or, you know, something. So you always have this little hope. But then when you go with truly good strikers and you give everything you have and you still don't even touch them, it's so debilitating and, and it feels to me, it feels worse than even someone just holding me down. Yeah, I but, agree. But that's, you know, I, I had the opportunity to train with the Cuban boxing team um, a few years ago. And some of those guys were like that, you know, I mean, there's the best, some of the best defensive boxers in the world. You know, it's kind of what their style is, is uh, uh, about a lot of the guys, not all of them, but a lot of them. And you kind of feel that way a little bit and you're just like, they move so well and they just touch you and they're completely out of the way and um, you feel completely hopeless. I mean, if it was, if it was Muay Thai, it would have been a little different, trust me. But, <laughs> but you know, when, you, when you're in their sport, you're doing boxing. I mean, it, what a hopeless feeling, man. What a, it just feels terrible. And, and they're just kind of relaxed and chilling and boy. Yeah. If everybody experienced that at one point in their life, I think there'd be um, a lot more humility in the world. Well, you know, that's one of the things that people are always like, oh, you know, I, I met this one fighter once, you know, he was actually kind of a nice guy. And I'm like, 
it's going to be, I mean, there's obviously always exceptions, but for the most part, I feel like the guys that get to your level, they generally have like a, a really good sense of humility because they're just used to being the hammer and the nail. Like it, it's very hard to not get your ego checked, at least on like a weekly or monthly basis on some level and kind Absolutely. of just be kind of like a down to earth guy and know that you have to just kind of work for everything. And I, I feel like that really builds character. And that's probably why I think a lot of entrepreneurs and like fighter guys kind of mesh together for not the same exact reason, but the, the level of respect there for just knowing that like you've gotten your ass kicked to get where you are and you just keep showing up really just says a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same in business. Like, you, you know, you do it long enough, you're going to get your ass kicked here and there. Right. And if you're running a business consistently, like you're going to have major ups and you're going to have major downs and, and some days are just going to feel like shit. And I think it's a very similar to fighting or training. And yeah, that's why, you know, most guys are, you know, they're more humble, but it doesn't always appear that way. And I think a lot of times people take it the wrong way. Cause we, we might seem like we're not being humble, but it's just that we're focused or, you know, we, we kind of, you know, are in our own world a little bit. Right. And I think entrepreneurs are a lot of the same and you kind of think like, Oh, that dude's being a dick. He didn't want to talk to me or, you know, didn't say hi. And it's like, you know, it's not that we didn't want to talk to you, but you know, we're pretty focused on what we're doing here, man. And, you know, we're dealing with, with so much stress all the time that, um, you know, it's not that we're ignoring you, you know? Yeah. So transitioning that, I'm interested because you, you now own a gym. What is, what are like some of the things that you maybe didn't take into consideration or some of like the, the perceptions that switch from being a guy who just kind of comes in and trains that now actually has to run the gym like a business. And then I have a follow-up to that after as well. Yeah. I think the, the biggest thing that was a shocker to me is um, I, I think it's common for people like, like for instance, like, like trustworthy people tend to trust over trust other people, right? Honest people think other people are honest. I'm a hardworking, um, honest guy. And I think I kind of assume that about everyone else. Um, and then I started, you know, having employees and started having, um, and, and, you know, I'm a big dreamer too. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy who shoots big all the time. And, and then when you start having employees and you start realizing um, a lot of these people are trying to take you advantage of you, or a lot of these people don't really have big hopes. They're just trying to get a paycheck for the week or something. Um, that really kind of, I'd say the first year of business, that really like threw me off, like basically like managing people, you know, because I started this gym by myself and I started from zero. I didn't have any big investors or anything like that. And I didn't want any of that. I didn't want to be underneath anyone or be dealing with any of that kind of stress. So it started completely from scratch, from zero. Me and just the, the only people that were in there were, um, you know, my own training partners, my own local training partners. And we just kind of went from there. So anyway, bringing on other people and dealing with employees was really an eye opener for me that um, you really have to vet these people a lot more than I expected. Dude, that's been the, the biggest thing that it's, it's always very interesting. Cause like you said, I, it's probably, I just had this conversation with my buddy, David, but I think thinking that people are going to hold themselves to the same accountability and standards and work level that you are, is just always astonishing. Like I'm blown away at how many people are okay with just bringing the bare minimum to everything they do. And like, I, I, I still do it to this day that I'm like, man, I am blown away that you're okay with just that in life. I just, yeah 
or even a, I, I think a lot of people even think that they're doing a lot more than they really are too. <laughs> a lot of people think they're really putting in the time. They're really working hard. They're really giving it their all. And it's like, you're only extracting like 20% out of yourself. Like, what are you, like, how do you, how do you have anything in life? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's nuts. How, how do you think just the business in itself has changed? Cause it's a great time now to, to open up a gym, but you know, I'm sure like you remember when like to find like a good jujitsu or a good MMA gym, you would have to travel to find one. And now they're almost like Starbucks everywhere. And it's amazing. Yeah. Cause the, I mean, around here, like I, it was like, there's like five or six all by each other. And if I drive by all of them, they're all packed, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's, it is kind of crazy. Not only as the the guy who's trying to come up and train, like we were saying earlier, but as a business owner now, I mean, how is just the sport evolved from the place that you you could probably just be a jujitsu fighter and make a living now, which wasn't really an option five or ten years ago? Yeah, which is great, right? Like these jujitsu is coming up a lot, man, and I love seeing it. Um, I, I wish there was a better uh, standard for it. You know, I wish it would get in the Olympics. You know, now we have like so many different rule sets. There's like the EBI, the ADCC, the um, IBGAJF. Like, you know, there's so many different standards. I'd like to see it be uh, more standard. That, and I would love to see Muay Thai come up, man, in the States. It's just insane that that's just hasn't been done. I don't know if it hasn't been done properly. If there's, you know, I don't know what needs to be done, but that is a sport that I would love to just see come up in the States and, it seems like it has the potential to, I don't know what's going on with it, but overall, you know, there's like pros and cons, right? Like the, the sport getting so much larger, like you said, you go by all these gyms and you'll, you'll go by five and they'll all be packed and that's great. But it also gives more opportunity for these con men, so to speak, or lower level guys to come in. You know, it's like, man, you probably shouldn't really be teaching or running a gym. <laughs> But, you know, so many people, they don't know. So if you don't know, you don't know. And they don't even know they're getting conned or or getting uh, second rate instructions. So, um, the, the, you know, more McDojos, right? That's what we call. Them. Um, yeah. So there's, you know, there's definitely pros and cons. But <clears throat> but I also think that most of those probably get filtered out. You know, I think it's getting filtered out more and more over time it seems like because you know once you're in the ecosystem of the martial arts it doesn't take long you know with social media and and uh youtube and things like this it doesn't take long to start realizing who the, who's the real and who's the fake yeah that is definitely the same thing with business you know the guys who take a picture of the lamborghini like it's it's a little easier, I think, in our circles on the on the jujitsu side that if guys, yeah, I'm a third stripe black belt, and no, it's pretty quick to call somebody who knows you or who's trained with you, you know. And if nobody has, it's probably like a red flag there. But dude, I forgot you actually, dude, you're like a freaking fortune teller. I heard you, I was listening like a, a week or two ago to your interview with Rogan, and that was a couple of years ago now. And he was telling like, hey, what would you like to see? And you pretty much like laid out the contender series before it was even like a thing. And then you even talked about like, hey, maybe ESPN one day and like, all the stuff that you were saying is like basically exactly where it is today. Like I was like, Oh wow, it's pretty awesome to look back on. Yeah. Well, hopefully it keeps going, man. Hopefully <laughs> I keep that up. Uh, but you know, it was interesting. I was just thinking while you were talking there about uh, how, you know, martial arts is one of these sports where the, the, the phonies get filtered out, right? Like again, with social media, YouTube, like there's so many competitions. It's like, if you're not real, like, 
you know, the lion's going to eat you one day, right? Most likely. Um, but since I've kind of gotten into the real estate world, I, this is where I have the hardest time. Who the fuck is real and who's not? This is because when I kind of got into real estate originally, you kind of just assume like, like, dude, these are all great people making a lot of money. Like everything looks great. And then you, and then the more I got into it, I was like, dude, there is more scammy, sketchy shit in this than I think any other. And maybe, you know, stocks are so regulated and stuff that it's kind of difficult to do that. It's easy to go find a freaking financial advisor that's, you know, fiduciary that's accredited and all this stuff. But in real estate, like you can be a complete con artist, scummy, sketchy son of a bitch and do millions a year, you know? It's nuts. It is so nuts. This has been one, one of my initial challenges, I guess, is, you know, as a rookie in this. Um, so, uh, like I said before the interview, I might want to interview you. So, what, tell me, you know, where, where you, how you deal with this and how do you point these people out? How do you recognize this? And how do you know who's real in this? Dude, I love that question because you're 100% right. And it was like one of those things that I think over time, like even the same way, like I tell the story a lot sometimes, like when I'm like talking to groups and stuff about how there was people that when I was coming up were like my mentors and I just kind of believed everything that they said. But then when I actually started doing those things, there was a lot of red flags of like, well, that doesn't work like that. And this actually didn't happen like this. And and if you ask them questions and you like question some of the stuff, the answers were almost like parents like, well, it's like that because they said so. Or you do it just because. And I was like, yeah, but that doesn't teach me anything. That doesn't make sense. And anytime I started to get like deflective answers or shit didn't add up, it made me start to realize like, oh, it's because this person has no idea what they're talking about. So like the two biggest things I look for, especially one is like, have they been investing from before the market turn? Because if they've only been investing for like three or four years, it's like you, you've only had good days at the gym. We, what do you do the days you haven't got your ass kicked yet? You don't know what it's like to, to come in and really have to get crafty or have to do something different. And then like when the questions I ask you, are you blowing me off? Are you getting mad? Are you getting defensive? Just like, hey, like who, who do you train under? Where, who do you have your black? Well, who did you fall? You don't worry about like, it's like, all right, well, you're getting mad at me. You're getting defensive. It's probably because you really haven't had like the accolades. You don't really have your black belt. And I think those types of things are are really important. I always try and look for, like if I'm speaking to somebody about their business or about their real estate, we're having a discussion. I don't necessarily care what they did right. I want to hear about like, it, it's easy. Like you post all the time, about the shit goes right. Like what are the things you're not telling? Like what are the things that have gone wrong? What are the things that I do have to worry about getting my ass kicked or getting tapped out or getting like, where are the real problems that people don't talk about? Cause it doesn't look good on social media because I want to know like when those things happen, how did you deal with them? Because I want to learn more about the things that you did wrong to avoid those than the things I did right. Like it's, I know how to throw a punch. I know how to do these things. I know how to buy a house. It's like when the contractor walks off, what do you do? When the lender falls through, what do you do? And that like shit like that, man, I, that's to me, the biggest thing is just the experience of how many beatings have you taken? Those are the guys that I want to talk to. The guys that have been around for a while, they got the cauliflower ears in business. They've gotten the black eyes and the scars and they know that no matter what happens, they have a way to navigate around that situation and kind of stay in the game, man. That's, that's what I'm looking for. That's a cool answer. What that reminds me of is when you think of, uh, the Dan or her, what he talks about all the time, right? I'm sure you, you've had some interactions with Dan or her being from Sarah's day, right? And he talks about all of his beginners. What does he teach them first? How to escape, how to get out of the worst positions. Then when you're in good positions, you're always confident and comfortable to attack because you know you'll always be able to get out of the bad position. 
If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get in on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Yeah, and I mean, that sounds like it would have a lot of carryover to the, your your business um, uh, mantra here. Yeah, you know, full circle, like all the stuff we're talking about. I I tell everybody all the time, like I think the biggest thing I've learned from MMA and jiu-jitsu and boxing and all those things that I started getting into at the same time I was doing real estate, it was how to have like a shitty day or be in a bad spot and be able to like take a breath, stay calm and try and do your best to just find a way out instead of just being like, this sucks, this is hard, I'm going to panic because you know that that panic is just going to make it worse. You're going to get out of breath, you're going to get tired. So I think just being able to kind of stay level-headed in tough situations and find solutions has been like the most important piece of like staying successful in business or in anything to really try and find a way on top because you're going to have those days, you're going to have those bad days. But you know, like 15 years, man, like the stuff that comes up like when you're actually doing the business on a day-to-day basis, you you can't read the shit in books. Like how how do I know that somebody's gonna get thrown into a mental institution the night before, or like this is gonna happen, or like you know, like people that buy a house that aren't even houses. And another guy I just spoke to that like literally a guy went on and took title of all of his houses without found like a loophole on like the state site and took position of all the houses like a 50-50 partner. And the guy had to get like the FBI. It's like, how do you like who trained you how to do that shit? You know what I mean? It's yeah. Uh, on the job, man. It's craziness. It's craziness. No, great, man. Cause that's a, when I coach guys in my gym, that's one of the, I don't coach a lot of guys. I, I'm just not, I love coaching, but it's so hard to find guys that are um, open and consistent, dedicated. And that's one of the first things I do. If they ask me, you know, for a little bit of help or whatever, or they want me to coach them. I'll put them through. I, I usually give it about a week, maybe two weeks of just vicious, brutal workouts, right? Like I'm going to do my best to beat the hell out of them. And if, if I'm not beating the hell out of them, like we're going to shark tank you, like you're getting the hell beat out of you. And I want to see if you come back tomorrow. I don't, I don't care if you got the shit beat. I don't care if you suck. I don't care if I beat the shit out of you. The next guy beat the shit out of you. Only thing I care about is like, are you coming back tomorrow? Like, are are you going to be here on time again tomorrow? You're going to be a little bit late because you're like, maybe you were thinking about not coming, you know, this, this is the tell between a good fighter and a, well, not even to say a good fighter, a great fighter, but um, someone with potential. See, I don't look at potential anymore. I don't look at, I don't look at, okay, this guy's a great athlete. He's, he can deadlift 700 pounds and got a four second sprint 40 and, and he can, you know, throw a hundred punches in five seconds, you know, all these, different things it's that's all fucking garbage it's like are you going to show up when you don't want to show up are you going to do more than you want to do if i tell you to go um one of my my favorite athletes you know i told him one time one of my favorite guys i coach 
I was like, I was like, all right, you're going to do two hours on the Aerodyne. I want 1200 calories. And he jumped right on. I didn't even ask. Of course, I'm not going to have him actually do that. Like (laughs) it was just ridiculous. It was just something I come up with. Like, you know, cause we, me and actually me and uh, one of my other buddies, we were doing like a 600 calorie challenge, like how fast can you burn up? So he was like, Hey, what should I do today? I was like, all right, get on the air, dine 1200 calories. You got two hours to do it. And he, he didn't even ask any questions. He jumped on it. I was like, all right, I like you after like 20 minutes. I was like, all right, come on off, bro. Let's, let's <laughs> but the fact that like, he didn't ask no questions, you know, like these are the kind of guys I've got, I've seen a million guys with potential. And, and that shit, that shit's a diamond dozen. I don't care. Like, your potential is fucking bullshit, bro. It's, if anything, all that potential is going to ruin you. I love that, man. That And that aerodyne sucks. It looks like it wouldn't be, and then they get you on there, and it's just freaking terrible, dude. So, <laughs> yeah. On there like that, man. Yeah. So, it isn't that bad ever, right? <laughs> that, you, you're going at that uh, kind of moderate to, to slower pace. Like, the first minute isn't that bad. And then, like five or 10 minutes it's like dude and your legs and your arms are sore now your butt's getting sore <laughs> can't fucking breathe you can't find a comfortable position you're fucking sweating all over <laughs> it's like yeah it starts sucking yeah that's awesome dude that's that sounds like the it's exactly what you want to see in anybody who's just coachable and like just willing to listen because you know, they came to you for advice i tell people that i literally had a girl a couple weeks ago and she was telling me well this is what i want to do i was like it's a bad idea and she just kept asking me the same shit over and over again i go look what you want to do is not a smart plan. So because I don't think that that's a smart thing for you to do, I'm not going to help you because I'm already giving you advice that you're not listening to. Like, what are you even here asking me about? So I think the same thing in the gym. Like, you got to trust your coaches. I get it all the time. Yeah, and a lot of times they're looking for validation rather than advice. And, yeah, and that's cool. Like, if that's what you want, you can get that from someone else. I'm going to give you the yeah. advice and give it to you honestly. And um, that's why – Again, I don't really coach a lot of guys because I'm just like, dude, I don't really give a shit. Like, if we build a connection over time and I see, again, you know, if, if you can come to a couple of workouts a week, that's cool. You might, maybe you'll, you'll peak out, at, you know, maybe you'll get to the UFC. Maybe you'll win a bunch of fights, but you're not going to be a world champion. So, so why should I care? You know what I mean? Like, if you're not giving everything that you got, you know, it's just like we were talking about before, you know, this whole balance thing. It's like, if you're balanced, I don't even want to deal with you. <laughs> it, like, like if you're a normal person, I don't want to deal with you, right? Normal people are going to give you normal results. Like you got to be a fucking uh, psycho. You got to be a, a nut job. Like there's got to be something wrong with you, man. Like you got to be willing to go so much farther beyond what any normal person would do especially the way this sport's going, you know, with, with so many more people could be getting involved and, and we got so much history now, like kind of when I started, like there wasn't a ton of history. Remember, it was kind of like, um, you know, it started kind of like, okay, the, the jujitsu guy was winning Hoist Gracie. And then it was like Tito and Coleman, like, okay, all wrestlers are this shit now. And then you had like Anderson Silva and it's like, Oh, well you need to be a striker. Now guys, they're so good at everything. You know, it's like, it's just a complete different world. So, you know, you can't expect just a normal person to come in and be able to succeed at this. You, there's got to be something wrong with them. And, uh, and that's what we look for. And that's what we love is these guys that got some issues, guys that got some mental fucking head cases. And, and these are the guys that succeed. 
Yeah, I mean, Matt, Matt always, uh, he calls it, he's like, hey, man, it's the man, land of misfit toys. He's like, we all kind of find each other here. And I agree, like, you got to have a, a little bit of obsession, a little bit of crazy, probably a lot, especially, you know, things are competitive. Like, how, how bad do you want that stuff? And, you know, looking at the stuff where, like, you know, guys like you, guys like Matt Sarah, guys that, like, I, I grew up watching and then you get to talk to them and stuff, I think is really cool. One of the reasons I actually started doing this podcast was because of Billy from Biohazard and Jamie Josta. And I saw that Jamie Goss actually wrote your, your walkout song, man. What was that like having like one of those guys that you grew up listening to literally like customizing a song for you? It's going to be pretty freaking awesome. Man, I don't know if I've ever even told Jamie, you know, we talk here every now and then. And I don't know if I ever even told him like how much of an influence he truly had on my life. Like how much. See, I was always a metal guy um, when I was younger. I was, um, you know, into the drugs and alcohol, partying way too much. And, and I love the negative part of metal, you know, the, the darker shit that was really feeding kind of this, uh, you know, insane part of my brain that, that really wasn't necessarily healthy, you know, like, uh, like sort of like the morbid angel, the cannibal corpse, you know, and the shit that, um, it was certainly a good outlet still, but it was when I discovered like hate breed and, uh, actually it's some of Pantera too, right? But Hey was probably the number one where I was like, dude, this shit can be positive, too, you know, because I love the grooves. I love the uh, the, um, the riffs and I love the sound and everything. Um, it really got me up, got me pumped up, which is, you know, what I love about all metal. But then you, you start reading the lyrics and you're like, holy shit, like I relate to this. And this is a uh, very powerful uh, positivity, man. And and that really helped a lot. Um, unfortunately, like Pantera. Uh, it was very positive there, like for the vulgar display of power, the far beyond driven. And then Phil just went off the deep end and fucking just, you know, went way negative for, for a while. Um, but anyway, so Jamie had just a, a huge, or hate breed, um, which is basically Jamie, had a huge, huge influence on my life. And I'm thankful um, for being able to turn my life around, partly because of uh, musicians like him. Um, you know, music can be very powerful. So when he wrote a walkout song for me, I mean, I was absolutely ecstatic, man. He actually offered like some royalties or something. I was like, dude, I don't fucking want nothing, man. Just the fact that you're doing it is like a dream come true, man. So um, it it was just to me like another uh, memorable moment in my life that um, that coming up in the small town that I came up in through the life that I lived. I wouldn't even have dreamed of, of this being a possibility. That's freaking cool, man. And uh, for people who don't know, your hands are not only lethal, but they're also freaking very artistic, dude. I saw that video you posted, you playing Holy Wars, dude. I, I used to play guitar. That, yeah. that was fucking awesome, dude. Did you ever try to play Holy Wars? I did. I did. Yeah, I always liked that. It was always the kind of my go-to thing that I always liked. And I, I don't think I ever, I never played it as good as you played it. Definitely <laughs> not. Yeah, uh, um, I, I love playing, man. I've been doing it for, I was probably 13, 14 when I started. So yeah, I've loved it, man. Is that still like a good outlet of kind of like a place for you to unplug and kind of decompress It's just picking up the guitar? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I love doing it. And, um, you know, it's another one of those things. I think it's great for everyone to be a, um, a kind of multifaceted, you know, uh, like I'm a professional martial artist, but also I have an artistic side too, right? So like the physical and the mental. 
I love that. Yeah, my my brother actually is in a agnostic front now. And like Roger, the singer over there, like, a, you know, jujitsu all becomes like that common denominator and stuff, man. It's really cool. Um, dude, a couple of a couple of other things. I, I, I hate to kind of bring this up because I, I know people do it to you all the time. But the the, the Pantera thing, I, for people who don't know a little bit about that story, I love for you to touch on it. But because you had mentioned something about how that situation taught you a lot about yourself, I was in uh, a it wasn't a concert, but I was somewhere where I was on like a picket line and a guy came up and it was just like your average morning and you know, a bunch of people just got killed by somebody who was just like reckless and like to watch the whole thing go on. Like, I, I didn't really know what was happening. It was, you know, just, it, it's one of those things that you play back and you never know how you're actually going to feel or act in that situation. And then you look back and it just, you know, you don't really have a choice. And it's interesting to look back and slow. So kind you of we're in that situation. Yeah. So I, I was at a, I was doing a picket line for the union when I was, I was injured and they would like pay me to go and say, I was basically the guy for the day. And I would walk the picket line and we were like all like along a fence. And uh, dude, it was crazy. Like looking back, cause one guy was there like for his kid that day. So his kid could go to work. And another guy was like this older gentleman. And I remember he was like holding the sign up because you like, you're taking a lot of, a lot to lean on the fence because it's like, they're it was a weird shit, whatever. So I was like, Hey man, do you want me to hold the sign for you? Older guy I was just trying to be respectful. And he was like, Hey man, like, give me a couple minutes, take another lap around the block and then you can hold it. And then I'm looking at another guy. He's like, Oh, it's going to be a long day. And then you just keep hearing like, bam, 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 bam. And I turn around and some, some guy like just drives up onto the sidewalk and just fucking mows everybody down and just drives away. And it was like, literally like the old man that I would have just been standing where he was standing, like holding the sign. And I just see all these guys like laid out, man, it's crazy, man. So just laid out across like the whole sidewalk and like, all kind of like contorted and fucked up. And I was like, man, like what, like what just happened? And like, I didn't realize it was the car at first. I just saw everybody kind of laid out and like all twisted up. And I thought it was somebody with like a sniper rifle across the street shooting people. So I'm like army crawling and like checking on people and trying to get blankets and like asking people if they need help. And like kind of the, the whole thing was just fucking wild, man. And then like, you know, after it's over, you're like, you know, it just, it, it literally feels like it was just yesterday, but the, it gave me like a, an appreciation of a few things of again, being able to like kind of stay calm. And then I remember the guys that were there and it was another reason that really pushed me to start to get into, to real estate and do shit differently. Because I remember like, man, I would have, I would have been here for like a, like an $80 paycheck and I could have gotten like killed there. And now there's this guys that have to come here. And like this, this poor guy had to come here for his son today because his, his son couldn't be out of work that day. And he wound up like getting killed and, one of the things that people said, not to get like too deep with it, but I remember one of the guys I was I was talking to, like right as he was like passing away, he just kept yelling like, uh, like, hey man, like just whatever happens, like somebody just make sure that my wife knows that I love her. Somebody just make sure that my kids. And I was like, man, it's it's just eye opening that like his last thought is like, how has that he been acting? Like how has life been that he's not sure if they know? And I was like, man, like that shit doesn't happen overnight. And that's why I've always tried to have been like telling people when I'm appreciative of them. I'm sure I've, I've become a little desensitized to it and could do better, but it's like a day that taught me so many lessons about like life and about myself that I, I always try and like never forget. And it was just kind of nuts, man. You know? Wow. That's crazy. How long ago was that? Man. So that was probably 2006. I hurt my hand, maybe 2007, 2008, right around there. Okay. Well, that's intense, man. Damn. That's a pretty crazy story, man. I mean, that was worse than, I guess, what I seen, you know, like. 
I don't know, man. Yours is pretty fucking intense. <laughs> I mean, there was only what two or three people that died. I think. I mean, he shot off a bunch of shots. Um, you know, I never thought of it like real deep, kind of like you did. I mean, the only thing that I kind of took away from the whole thing is like, dude, I need to start carrying a gun, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't really think that deeply of it. Um, but it was certainly an intense experience. Like, obviously, you you know, you had a very similar experience. So I think I guess you could relate and recognizing how short life is and how it could just end like that is, is very fucking uh, uh, profound, man. It's like, you have no idea that you could just be, you could die right the fuck now. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I find that interesting. You said, you know, it's kind of what helped you get into real estate. And um, that's something I've been thinking a lot about lately that has promoted my uh, real estate journey a little bit the beginning of my real estate journey when I think about my kids and I'm like, you know, I got to open a trust or have stocks or all this, you know, all kinds of different ways that, you know, make little bits of money here and there, but real estate's the most generational thing, at least that I know of, you know what I mean? Like, is it could be passed down and it's like all the money that I make is going to be like half of what they make, you know, they can, they can take it and double, triple, quadruple, exponentially what i'm doing with it you know as long hell i got my 11 year old son reading rich dad poor dad right now and, and he's loving the, the you know that that's one of the that's cool that we're very interested that 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 was one of the things you thought about after that and that's very cool well i think you know it was um if if i didn't have those like interactions with people that I was watching how they acted like in like such a, you know, a crazy time in their life. That's like literally like the, the last things that they're going to say, it's like, it leaves an impression on you. And even just looking at the guy who you talked to a minute before, and then you turn around a minute later and he's just dead. It's like, you know, I think I was, I was like my, my mid twenties. It's just, it's like you said, it's, it's crazy. And I, you know, I, I have to always believe that things, things do. I'm a believer that things, everything happens for a reason but you weren't even supposed to be there that night. Like it was like a weird, yeah. right? Like some bullshit with your boss and kind of just wound up there. Yeah. Well, so I was on, I was the place that I was working was right down the street. We we're on like a point system. It was a union job, like a really crappy union, really crappy job, but it was basically a point system. So if you showed up like two minutes late, you still got your point, whether you were there two minutes late or uh, I think it was like halfway through the shift or something. So um so I think I showed up like a minute late or something. I was like, well, fuck it. I'm not going in, you know? Um, and I just, I didn't even know the damage plan was playing. I just drove down the street and just seen the sign. I was like, Oh shit, damage plan. So I'm going, you know? So I was just there by myself and yeah, you know, the, um, yeah. So that's how I ended up there. But what the, the, my biggest takeaway, I guess, you know, for one, yeah. Okay. I need to carry a gun. Right. Uh, which, I mean, I'm kind of a country boy at heart anyway, so it's something I kind of would have done. But what I, what surprised me about myself, that I, maybe you had a similar experience, but I, I learned a lot about myself that I wasn't, I was not nearly as scared. Uh, like, he, I mean, he started firing off shots, you know, just randomly at the crowd. And I, at first I was kind of starting to turn my back and run away. And I was like, I was like, you know, that's what the whole crowd was doing, right? So... But then as he started firing shots, I turned around and I was like, dude, 
I'm not going to let this motherfucker shoot me in my back. Like, like if I'm going to die, I'm going to die facing this guy. You know what I mean? I'm going to be going towards him if I die. And um, it, it just blew my mind because, like, nobody was thinking the same way. Like, everybody's fucking running. I'm like, dude, if we all went forward, maybe one of us would die and then we get him. Like, like this dude's a fucking coward. Like, why are you guys being cowards? And so I learned a lot about myself in that sense. Um but I always kind of question, like, was I being stupid or was I being, you know, what I mean? like maybe they were being the smart ones. And what I ended up doing was actually hiding behind this. Uh, there was like a concrete pillar, maybe not hiding, but like taking cover. And I was like, you know, kind of looking out and kind of waiting for my spot. You know, you had this hostage, you know, so I could, could look out and I could see. Um, I remember seeing him start to reload at one point and, and I was like, oh, now's my time. I could go get him. And then, but there's so many people coming towards me that I couldn't like find a way to wiggle around. Um, but anyway, so sitting behind that pillar, you know, I was just kind of biding my time and feeling like I was going to eventually find a time to go take him out. And uh, that was when there, so there's an off duty police officer. Um, I remember his last name was Nick. I can't remember his uh, first name. Um, but I watched him come in the back door and, and uh, shoot this dude and basically blow his head off. Man. Well, the world is happy that that was not your time, man, because you have done so much to entertain us with your amazing fights and all the stuff you're doing, man. Like, um, so parlaying kind of what you've done from the future, then like what we were saying about kind of going into life after baseball and all the stuff on the side, it was, it was interesting because I went to Jacksonville in April to watch Aljo fight up here on. And I'm sitting next to this dude and like, we just started kind of talking and he was like, Oh, he's like, you, you, you train with these guys. I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah. My friend's Matt Brown. He's like, I'm actually his partner. We own a business thing together and he had like a hat on and stuff. And we actually started talking about you, man. And I was like, man, it's so funny. Like it's a small world. So I, I forget what his name was, but I assume you know the guy I'm talking about for sure. Right. Yeah. Probably Connor. Yeah, yeah. So they were they were cool as shit, man. We sat together like the whole fight and stuff like that. So I would love to hear about kind of first what you're doing with like with the business as far as the coffee. And then I definitely want to start to drill into like what you have going on with real estate. Yeah. So with the coffee, um, I'm the minority owner in the coffee business, and I basically I've just learned a lot about coffee in the past few years from Connor, the guy that you met there in Jacksonville, and. Um, you know, that business, I mean, it's a tough business, I can tell you that, but we have a lot of fun with it and we kind of segue it in with the, the gym and everything else we're doing. Um, I just bought a couple Airbnbs and we put the the uh, coffee in the Airbnbs and, you know, we just kind of slowly let it grow. We, we make some really high quality coffee. So it's not just your kind of Folgers or or even Starbucks or um, even it's better even, even than most like local coffees that you buy. So um you know, we just love doing it, man. You know, it's sort of a, a passion project that is making a little bit of money here and there. You know, if it blows up and turns into a multi-million dollar brand, that's cool. But um, it's, there's a lot of fun that we have with that. What was it that made you get a, was it, were you already a fan of the coffee or was it something about the business model? Like what, what made you decide to kind of gravitate towards that? Yeah, there's uh, two things to that. So first, so the way it worked out was he was kind of sponsoring me. Um, he had a different coffee company. He had some trademark issues. Um, so the first thing was he had to change his name and he loved the name, the immortal coffee. So <laughs> that was kind of the first thing. And then uh, second off was um, 
we have, he has really good connections with the roasters and um, knows the coffee business very well, knows coffee like nobody you've ever heard before. And, um, you know, we plan on expanding it and we're looking at doing like some energy shots now, like five hour energy style things, looking at doing um, some electrolyte stuff, um, uh, CBD coffees, you know. So the one thing that I like about this, um, so basically it was right around the time that I was opening my gym and the way I looked at it was, okay, gym is really more local and the uh, coffee is more international. So I can tap the local scene I can tap the international scene. And that, that was kind of the beginning. That's what kind of made me decide to do it. And then I've, since then I've really fell in love with coffee and I've learned so much about it. And it is a very, very competitive and very difficult business, but we've kind of organically grown slowly over time. And, and that's what we see it as a long-term project that um you know we're not getting rich off of it yet but you know that's business right it takes time and yeah no that's cool dude I, I got some good contacts in your area too of guys that are really good with like marketing and branding and growing businesses man i'll definitely do an intro for you because for people who don't know dude columbus is a fucking awesome town really really cool town yeah i love columbus man i think it's one of the most underrated towns in the country if just the goddamn weather would be better <laughs> Which I'm, not, me personally, I'm not one of those guys who like lets the weather get to him. Like it could be raining and snow and shit, and everybody's like, "Oh, it sucks." I'm like, dude, quit being a bitch. Like, just get, do what you got to do. Like, you know, you can't control us. It is what it is. But outside of that, I mean, it's an amazing town, man. And um, you know, the infrastructure is set up so well. Like, um, a lot of great people, and it's like the it's like a big small town. You know, I mean, it, it feels like a small town, but it's a really big town. It's actually 13th or 14th biggest in the country. Nice. Yeah, no, I had a great time every time I've, I've been out there. And I know a bunch of guys that are killing the real estate business over there. So they're, bre they're breeding them good out there, man. And uh, obviously, you know, again, you've been really generous with your time. But real estate, man, I think a lot of people don't realize that Matt Brown's a real estate investor. So talk a little bit, because I actually don't even know too much about your journey so far. of kind of yeah. what you got going on, But we can definitely connect past this on uh, anything in the future, man. I'm happy to help you out with anything I can. Yeah, I love to, man. You know, so my real estate journey has been very uh, uh, recent, I guess, uh, for serious real estate investment. I've been long term rentals for probably 10 years, you know, and it just started with, you know, my first primary home. And uh, I, when I was ready to move, I was like, well, I could sell it or I could rent it. I'd rather rent it, you know. And uh, so I rented it for a long time and then did the same thing with my second primary home and then eventually with my third. And, um, you know, not to get too deep in the weeds, but then I got divorced and lost all those. So in the past couple of years, I've basically just been, you know, I, I started looking deeper into real estate and I never realized that there were so many options. I didn't realize it. Like to me, it was just like, okay, you, you, uh, you buy a home and then you rent it and, you know, long-term rental. That was like the only thing that ever even crossed my mind. And then one of my friends who's a, a broker here, in town, he said, Hey, you know, we're, uh, we're buying Airbnbs, man. You should get in on one. So, you know, you make a lot more uh, cash flow. And um, so I started looking into it and now I got two of them. So actually, I let me I'll be clear. So I just closed on my first one in June and have my second one is actually being built right now. And uh, we'll be done probably February, March, hard to say, you know, you never know with the building, but probably around February, March. And, I'm looking to acquire a lot more and I'm looking into all different aspects and 
of uh, real estate, you know, where it's long-term rentals, short-term rentals. Right now I'm loving the short-term uh, concept. Um, but, you know, I want to diversify and get into the long-term um, multifamily, you know, everything, man. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just right now I'm still an open book and, and uh, it may be an accumulation of knowledge phase. That's awesome. And well, again, I was saying from the beginning, knowing what I know about you, that you get freaking tunnel vision and all this stuff, man. I'm sure you're going to yeah. wind up getting your black belt on that just like anything else. So um, are, are you you're doing everything mostly local? What kind of financing? Obviously, like a construction loan on the one, but did you do like an 80-20 on the, on the other one? Um, okay, so the my first one, uh, it's in Gatlinburg <clears throat> in the Smoky Mountains. Oh, cool. Uh, just seemed like a great market. I did as much research as I could, and it seemed like seasonality is low there the um the occupancy rate is high um so it seemed you know i'm sure you, you know you, you would have an opinion whether good or bad on it but it seemed like a, a great little spot and I, so i just got a small little romantic cabin there who would have thought you know matt brown has a romantic cabin <laughs> <laughs> right in, in gatlinburg tennessee um so that one i did as a second home and that's how I got started, you know, very small, uh, you know, comparably small down payment with 10%. And, you know, it was just tough to pay the PMI and all that. But the, so far, I've uh, been breaking about even, but we just started, you know, like yeah. we, we just got some reviews a few weeks ago, you know what I mean? So it, it's, so I'm, I'm trusting the process and trusting that it's going to move along well. And um, there'll be some, maybe you'd be interested to pick your brain about. It. I'm sure you, you, you're a short-term rental guy too. No, I'm not. That's actually the one no, okay. thing we don't have a ton of experience in. I was about to pick one up in Florida, right when this the, the all this crap with the interest rates and everything started to change a little bit. But I was doing it more for like like Whiteman just picked up a couple. All my stuff's been long term, man. So I I haven't done much of that, but I, I I do know a lot of people that are in that area that have done really well. Um, it's probably the strategy I know least about as far as Airbnbs. But I, you know, I have friends that are absolutely destroying it with that. So it. It definitely works really well, man. So, and the thing it's I always say about real estate is like, it's very forgivable, man. Like, even if things turn a little bit, like you, you got on the game, you did it the right way with getting like a little bit of money down getting financing when the interest rates are relatively low. At some point, even if you have a little bit down, if you can hold on to that, do you're all real estate is always going to be something always. that plays over well over time. Like historically it's, it's anytime it's dropped, it's always come back faster and stronger than ever. So it's, it's never a bad time to buy, you know? Is there a reason why you haven't dove into the short-term rentals or you're just doing so well with the long-terms or? You know, it was mostly because it was new markets. And the main reason I wanted to do it was because I wanted to live somewhere else when it was like cold as shit in New York or Chicago. So I was like, well, I'll start looking around like Tampa. And then I kind of went back and forth with like Tampa and Orlando because like one was kind of by a family I have down there. And then the other one was like, well, Disney's always going to be kind of safe. So I was looking for just kind of a warm place to go do it. Um, I just didn't. I, I haven't really had enough time to like dig in and really make a decision and analyze the ones that they sent me. And then when stuff started kind of happening here, I decided to just take a seat back and like wait to kind of see if prices drop a little bit and maybe I can get a better deal. Um, but it just basically kind of like we were talking about earlier that some of the things that I have messed up, it's because I haven't had the time to really pay enough attention to it because I thought I was multitasking, but what I really was doing was not paying as much attention to some of the investments as I should have. And with this type of thing, I have a couple of private lenders that are looking to, to, to fund one. And I want to make sure I don't pick the wrong one or the wrong area. 
And I, I probably have been a little bit too conservative on it, but uh, it is definitely next on my list. So are you in the, the camp of right now? Okay. Well, maybe we're in a recession. Maybe we're headed towards recession. Um, real estate has been obviously pumped up like crazy the past couple of years. So are you in this camp of we need to sit and wait for a little bit? Fuck no. I'm, I'm, a, oh. I'm in the camp of I did that by accident the last time when the pandemic happened of like, let me sit and watch what happens. And I watched the people that had more balls and were a lot more aggressive make a shit ton of money while everybody else sat on the sideline. And this time when it's happening, I'm like, nope, while everybody's scared, exactly like you were talking about in life, while everybody's running away. I'm running towards it because I know that it's going to create opportunities that we might not see again for another five or 10 years. So I am all about getting in, buying it right. And like trying to be more aggressive now than I have been in probably the last couple of years. I'm all about it. Uh, Well, I wasn't sure because you said you were kind of waiting for your uh, short-term rental, but you're still accumulating real estate regardless, just not that market. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, And that's basically, you know, the way that I went about it was, uh, you know, I analyzed as much as I could. I did as much research as I could. Um, but when the opportunity came, I said, fuck all the analyzing. Like I'm, I'm pulling the trigger and we're going to go for it. And we're going to see what happens, man. Like you, you never know what's going to happen until you start making things happen. Right. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. <laughs> you, you can win if yourself into and out of every single opportunity, man. At some point, there's always going to be a level of risk in every single thing you do that you can make money. And you just have to weigh that out. Like you said, you're smart. As long as you do your due diligence and you kind of weigh out the pros and the cons, and then you feel it's a good decision, you know, cash flow and stuff like that, man, you stock some reserves away. If it winds up having a little bit more occupancy than you thought, I mean, the values literally don't matter. Like if you're buying it for cash flow, and the values change, it means nothing because the value is going to come back up. Like as long as you can sustain that cash flow, eventually you are going to have that paid down from the people that are paying down your interest and paying down your mortgage. And you are going to get the write-offs and you eventually will get the appreciation. And you can always parlay that or leverage that into another deal and then another deal and another deal or sell it when it's back on the top or refinance it and pull it. It just, dude, like you're never going to be upset when things go bad that you have assets you can rely on to kind of help you out of that those situations. So I think you're doing the right thing. Cool. So, well, that's good to hear. Um, another person saying I'm doing something good. So, yeah. uh, so back to your original question, we uh, said so that one I bought with a 10% down. My second one I bought conventionally is a, um, you know, just an investment property. Um, and that one, like I said, it's being built. Um, the numbers on it look really good. Um, I think I got it at a really good price. It's in close to Galveston. It's called Crystal Beach um, in Texas. It's a beach home. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else to say about it. Like, it seems like a, a great property. And uh, I think you can get, what, 10 conventional loans before you have to start looking at, like... Uh, well, in, uh, in your own name, once you start pumping them into LLCs and stuff like that, there's definitely yeah. ways around that, but yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so that might, you know, we'll have to have that conversation when I cross that bridge, but... I plan on getting my 10 as quickly as I can. And it just seems like it makes the most sense. I wish I would have started. I, I, I'm sure this is what every fucking person ever bought real estate in their life says. I wish I would have done it five years ago. Well, I've been fighting the UFC for 13 years. I've got lump sum paychecks for 13 years. I could have bought a property with every single paycheck, you know, put a down payment on one every single paycheck. So I would urge for any fighter that listens or anyone that may eventually end up in the UFC or get lump sum payments. Dude, don't put that fucking money in the bank. Like, 
find a way to suck it up. All you got to do is train every day. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I got kids now and stuff, so it's a little more. But, you know, if you're a single dude looking to be a fighter, you make some money. Like, don't fuck the stocks. Fuck the, you know, what all these people are going to tell you. Buy a fucking property. And by the time you, like, if you do 10 years like me, imagine if I would have bought 10. Actually, I start when I started in the UFC, it was 2008. Imagine if I would have had that mindset then. It was like the best time to buy. You would have gotten like the cheapest yeah. in fucking 20 years, dude. You know, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. What those, those two threes. And, and on top of that, I was living in uh, Las Vegas. So <laughs> imagine. Yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, that I think that was what, um, you know, I was talking with my broker and they, um, I'm sure you've heard this saying before, but the first thing he said to me was the best thing. The best time to plant a tree was five years ago. The second best time is today. I was literally going to say that as soon as you started talking about that, that's like one of my favorite quotes. It's like, you know, it's like literally what made me start the podcast. It was like after years of like, Oh, look, where would it have been if I did it two years ago? It's like, nah, man, you just, you just start doing it, you know? And I think guys like, you know, guys like yourself, Faber, I Quinta, Aljo, Krauss, I've had on a couple of times, man, that guy's doing really well. I think he's got 14 doors right now, but you, nice. you look at the guys that are buying real estate and then people that were, I meet people all the time that were, dude, I'm a big coin millionaire. Oh, not today. It literally is worth nothing today. Oh, I have a million dollars in stocks. Oh, it's worth nothing. on. T- I'm a millionaire Wednesday. I'm broke on Thursday. Like that doesn't happen with real estate. Even if it drops a little bit, you sustain it with some cash flow. You still get the write-offs. Even if you have like a break, even you're still technically saving it. And with inflation right now, man, you throw that into something that you're making anything over 8% versus throwing in the bank and losing money to inflation. You're still ahead of the game or preserving what you just fought your, literally just fought your ass out for, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest thing, like kind of what made me move more towards it, especially the short term rentals is uh, yeah, as, as being a fighter for 13 years um, I'm, uh, in the UFC, I've kind of fought paycheck to paycheck. You know, we don't necessarily think of it that way because we're, um, you know, getting lump sums, you know, a few times a year. But really, that's kind of the way that I've lived is, uh, you know, I get a lump sum and it's like, OK, well, I need this to survive until I fight again. You know, and so then now that I'm um, 41 years old, I'm like, well, I can only do this for, you know, hopefully another five years or so. But who really knows? I mean, these injuries, they, they pile up, they come on way faster, they take longer to heal, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like, OK, well, what am I going to do? I got to have cash flow. Well, if I would have bought 10 years ago, I'd have a ton of fucking cash flow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, again, if you look at any other investment, where it's Bitcoin, stocks, or, um, I mean, God, there's a million ways to invest. Even, you know, buying um, other businesses, you know, I think is a, a, always a great way to invest if you want to put in that time and energy or even, you know, pre-built businesses you can purchase and stuff. But with real estate, it's like, it, it's so passive. And you're getting cash flow. So for a fighter, it just makes more sense than anything else that I can imagine. No, I agree, man. I think it's a, a great thing to build up while you're kind of sitting on the side in between camps and stuff. It, it yeah. really it's the best retirement plan. You sit there and I watched it during the pandemic. Some of the, you know, the people that are flipping, 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 wholesaling, 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 they made a shit ton of money, but then it was kind of like, well, what happens now if the market moves, if this happens, if they restrict this, if they pass the laws and my buddies that just bought shit for the last 10, 20, 30 years, just not the sexiest stuff, just the, you know, 10% down loans, making some cash flow, 
dude, they had no worries during the pandemic. Like maybe a couple of units here or there, like didn't pay or whatever. But overall, it was like, man, not a care in the world. Rates are low. We refinance. I pull out four or 500 grand tax free. I'll worry about something else in five years. You know what I mean? It's it's a good place to be. That was probably their biggest words. Like, how much can I refinance all this shit? <laughs> that was like, yeah, man, that's a beautiful thing. So, um, dude, I, I got a lot I want to pick your brain about, man. Like, so, yeah, you know, yeah. you've been in this world a long time. And um, I, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm kind of just getting started. I think I have a pretty good base of knowledge um, from having long-term rentals for a while and going through everything. And um, I, I'm a bigger pockets guy. I think I listened to you on bigger pockets. So you, you were on their podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going yeah. out to BP con in uh, October. And I think I acquainted might be coming with me, man. If you, if I know oh, you right. might be playing, but if you're not, man, you should definitely try and come out. Yeah. Where's it at? San Diego. Nice. I will absolutely try. I'll probably be fighting though. I'll probably be fighting in November. So uh, that's what it's looking like right now. But if not, I will absolutely come. Like I said, I, you know, I listen to them all the time. I read the forums so trying to get in as hard as I can, bro. Yeah, th- those are good dudes, man. Jiu-Jitsu guys, too. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll, I'll tell Never. David, Ron, you're listening, man. I'll, I'm sure he'll probably have you on their podcast, too. Oh, that'd be awesome, man. <laughs> That's, they have a great podcast, you know. Good guys. Good guys, man. I love yeah. David and Brandon. They've been real cool. And, uh, you know, I love that they're starting their Jiu-Jitsu journeys. You know, black belts in real estate, white belts in Jiu-Jitsu, but they're, they're going to kick Are they out. white belts? I, I thought they'd been training for a while. David kind of was dealing with injuries. He got COVID like three times. Brandon's kind of been traveling around doing his open door thing. But um, I bet you he's a nightmare to roll with. This, this guy's like six, six or six, seven or something like that. With those, I'm sure he triangles everybody. <laughs> right. Okay, okay. But dude, I'll definitely um, hit me up, man. Anytime you got my number, let's set aside some time. I'd be happy to jump on a Zoom and we could just kind of talk shop, talk real estate, man. I love talking yep. about that shit. Awesome, man. I, I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it could go a long way. Cool, man. So in uh, in closing, man, I know you've been, I, I kept you a little longer. I appreciate you staying on, but what's coming up, man? What's coming up with Matt Brown? What kind of stuff can we find you for? How can our audience help you talk all the things you got going on past, present, and future? Yeah, well, past, there's a lot to, to go on, but like I said earlier, man, it's all about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to do right now. So I'm going to get another fight. Looks like November is probably going to be the time. Um, be training at my gym, man. Keep building that thing up um, and building up the coffee brand. Um, and like we've been talking this whole time, man, I'm going to be hammering out some real estate. I'm loving the Airbnbs right now. So if anybody wants to check out the, hey, if anybody's going to Gatlinburg, man, you can check out my first Airbnb, which is called Cupid's Hideaway, a romantic ass place, man. Got the heart-shaped tub. We got a hot tub. We got hearts everywhere. It's a beautiful place to take your lady, man, get away for the weekend. Um, so, you know, feel free to check that out. Um yeah, and that's going to be it, man. That's that's what I'm hammering on. But I want to keep getting more fights, man. I want to keep uh, smashing some faces, elbowing some people up, and keep making money that way and putting it all into real estate. Nice, man. Well, you know, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, man. Uh, I was really excited that you reached out and that we connected, man. I've been watching you fight for years, and you always have been one of the most exciting fighters. So, you know, knowing kind of what goes on behind the scenes for guys like you that have been in the game that long, I very much appreciate you putting your – your health and your body on the line for the entertainment of, of the fans. And I appreciate that you do it and thank you for all the, you know, the entertainment and for putting it out there for our sake, man. So I look forward to fighting, to watching you fight again. I definitely look forward to fighting you. <laughs> 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 I 
But I definitely look forward to training with you, man. Anytime you're out this way or next time yeah. I'm out there, man, I would definitely love to come and kind of share some mat time with you and get together. In the meantime, I will put all the links for all the stuff you got going on in our show notes for anybody listening. You, sir, bring your A-game to everything you do. This has been no different than this interview. This has been a thrill for me, man. I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts before I let you go? Nah, I'm good, man. Thank you very much. Dude, this is awesome. The immortal Matt Brown, ladies and gentlemen. Check him out soon in a, in a cage near you and definitely check out his Airbnb. Thank you, sir. My pleasure.